Father God, thank you for this day that you have made, for your promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, and for this opportunity over the next week, coming weeks and months to look at who you are and your character and your attributes and um, your names that you, through which you have revealed yourself to, Lord, that as we gaze upon how you have revealed yourself in, in your word, that we would get a greater um, glimpse of just your glory and majesty and, and be in increasing awe and wonder of you, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would be with us now, you'd open your word to us, and you'd continue to instruct us and transform us by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as you know, we are starting a new uh, catechism series today and probably last a, a couple of months. And we're going to be looking at the doctrine of God, which is theology proper. This is when we talk about theology, strictly speaking, it's all about God. Because theology is from, we've got a, a Greek expert here. Uh, theology is, the word theology comes from two Greek words. Anyone want to have a shot? Theos. theos and Logos. Okay, and Theos is obviously God, and Logos is, well, it can be translated as word. Okay, that's when John 1, when it says the word was God, in the beginning was the word, it's saying, in the Greek, it's Logos. Uh, but logos can also a derivative, derivative of it. Logia can also, uh, which means the study of God. So the study theology means the study of God. And um, a medieval theologian, a guy called uh, Thomas Aquinas. Okay, he was a Italian guy. So the real name is Tommaso d'Aquino. Okay. He said that theology was the queen of the sciences. Now, perhaps you find that strange today. Because when we think of studying theology, we think it's, you know, only some, you know, weird people study it, you know, in some back corner, not even out of, you're not even in a proper university. It's, you know, it's a bit quirky, you know. How it doesn't really relate to, to the rest of life. But that is not how, especially Western culture has, morning Lorna, has, has understood theology for most of the past 2,000 years. Um, West, traditionally, Western culture has been uh, based on the assumption that if you want to understand the world around us through natural science, through biology, through maths, through uh, the history of the world, through, through everything, all that can only make sense if we understand who created it all, the creator of the universe. So in um, classical education systems, so this is the European universities before the 1700s, uh, 
Okay, if you wanted to study at any university, doesn't didn't matter what discipline you're going to study in, you studied theology as a part of it. If you wanted to be a scientist, well, you study first about God, and then you study about the the the, the science because there's understanding. Well, that it's all from God anyway. He's the one who who designed all the creatures and made all the plants. So if you want to understand how those plants work, well. It makes sense that you ought to understand something about God, the creator. So, obviously, this assumption is no longer assumed today. Okay? It's, God has been very much compartmentalized, or the, the, the secular sacred, there's been a secular sacred divide, and it's very much put God you know, away, out of the public sphere, out of the the education system, and uh, that shift took place from what we call Enlightenment. Okay, it's from the 18th century. Anybody have an idea what the Enlightenment was about? <laughs> okay, it's this shift in in, in Western thinking in Western culture from Christendom, which was the, we, we basically, the, yeah, Christianity was center sway in Western culture. It's like presupposition. So everything stemmed from the presupposition that God existed and it was the Christian God and the Christian faith. Yeah, Christendom. Yeah. And Christendom, we could say of held sway in the Western world from the time Christianity became, was adopted as the religion of the Roman Empire right through to the 1600s, sort of the tail end of the Reformation. In the late 1600s and early 1700s, a major shift began, and that was a complete abandonment, really, of those God-centered presuppositions from Western culture and saw the rise of um, basically if you can't see and touch it well you've got to prove everything everything has got to be everything that we know has got to be proved with evidence so unless you can see and touch it it can't be real so that's why you get the, the rise of the prominence coming to prominence of the sciences okay and all the um you know, the uh, folks like Isaac Newton, even though they were, these guys were Christians, a lot of them were Christian, to you, somebody like Isaac Newton, but more philosophically, it was a departure from Christianity being how we, the grid through which we understood the world to understanding that we can only understand the world through things that we can see and touch. And so it, it, it was move away from a Christian view of the world to a secular view of the world, a view of the world without God, that God is no longer at the center. And this is currently now pretty much the air that we breathe now in the world. Highly secularized, um, post-Christian increasingly. And we need to understand that even these ideas have affected the church. 
we just look at the, if you go to your average Christian bookshop or the Christian, the religion section in CNA or, or whatever bookshop you go to, what type of books are you going to find? Well, there you go. Okay, it's self-help. It's Christianized self-help, which is is man-centered. Okay, I'll, yeah, just some book titles. These are real book titles, by the way. I won't say what the authors are. You'll figure them out. Yeah, your le- your best life now. Uh, become a better you. Uh, the confident woman. <laughs> And living beyond your feelings. Yeah, so it's, it's the theme there is that it's all, it's therapeutic. It's all, how do we, how does Christianity be our, how is it our crutch to kind of help us understand our lives and navigate our feelings and make us basically self-actualize. And you'll find very few books in those same bookshops that are actually about God himself. You would think that's strange. Isn't that the point of Christianity? Isn't that the point of the revelation of, of Scripture that is telling us about God, who he is? And you could even see it, say it, it's even in a lot of sermons that you can listen to today online. Very, very us-centered. What, you know, seven steps to a better life. Uh, it, it's it's very man-centered, and we the poorer for it. And even you know, if you listen to, you know, look at how you you pray, you pray, or listen to, you know, some other people praying, the our tendency is to, yeah, maybe we acknowledge God in the beginning. But then we, we get right to like our stuff. How much of our prayers do we just dwell on who God is? On his character, on his goodness, on his attributes, and just rest on that for a while. It's not saying it's illegitimate to, to lift up our you know, concerns and our requests to the Lord. There's a place for that, absolutely. But... Um, how much time do we devote to just worshiping God for, for who he is? So, I would suggest that our man-centered culture has really robbed us from delighting more in God's glory and enjoying him for who he is. And this is really the, the point of the series over the next couple of weeks and months that through looking at the doctrine of God, it would lead all of us to worship him more, to enjoy him more in, in greater and, and deeper ways. And that's why the question and answer one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, who can remember? Yeah, what is the chief end of man? Okay, what's the point of life? What's our purpose? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Basically, to worship Him. To, to give our lives 
for him and to enjoy him. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get into all sorts of good things. This week, we're going to look at the um, existence of God. I don't know how much we're going to get into it, but we're just going to we'll take it as it comes. Um, we'll look at his uh, attributes. We'll look at his names. We'll look at the the Trinity doctrine of the Trinity. There's a lot of often a lot of misunderstanding about how what we believe the, the Trinity to be. Um, his decrees, his and his uh, creation, um, and his providence. So let's get straight into it. Any questions before we dive into this week's section? Okay, well, let's dive in. Now, if you want a wonderful summary of the historic Christian teaching on the doctrine of God, look no further than the Westminster Confession of Faith. Yeah, this is chapter 2. Look, yeah, I know Presbyterian and all, but if you want pure, crystallized, excellent theology about anything, look at the Westminster Confession of Faith. Just saying. Okay, but this one is, this statement of God is just wonderful. Listen to this. There is but only one living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable will and most righteous will for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving in it iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and with all most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he has made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He alone is the fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things, and has most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them, whatsoever himself pleases. In his sight, all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature, so as is so as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever, worship, service, or obedience, he is pleased to require of them. In the unity of the Godhead, 
there be, there be three persons of one substance, power and eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Spirit eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Okay, that's a beautiful, deeply scriptural statement about God, which Christians have believed for generations. And it's, be a help, it's a helpful template which to kind of launch everything here. So the first thing we'll get to is the existence of God. Now, this is, if we have any non-Christian friends, if we are at a family dinner and you've got specifically, you know, friends and family who are antagonistic towards the Christian faith, this is the issue they will most probably bring to you or they'll most probably have an issue with. I'll say, well, how can you guys believe God when you can't even prove that he exists? Now, as Christians, we assume that God exists. And we believe he exists by faith. Now, if you say that to your non-Christian friend, that's, oh, well, there you go. It's all pie in the sky stuff, right? And you just believe in the spaghetti monster. I mean, by faith. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, we must understand, it's not a blind faith. Our faith is based on the revelation of God himself in the scriptures and in creation. Okay, we're going to get to this general and special revelation to come. So, the, the revelation of, well, firstly, if you, if you look at the creation, well, no one's got an excuse. Okay, this is what Romans 1 tells us. Um, Romans 1. Verse 19, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So no one on this planet can truly say that they did not know God exists. Because he's revealed it plainly, you just got to look outside. Yeah, but obviously there's more that God has revealed about himself than just the general mountains and trees that point to his existence. Obviously, the key stuff's in the scripture. And even scripture is not really concerned about proving that God exists. Okay, and instead, when you read the Bible, well, what's the first, what does the first verse of the Bible say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It just assumes that he exists. Because he does. He is. And that's why his name, which he revealed, his personal name, which he revealed to Moses in Exodus 3.14, is what? I am who I am. Okay, Yahweh. I am who I am. 
He is who he is. Okay, so the, the, the Bible not only describes God as the creator of everything, the one who, who is, but it also describes him as the one who holds everything together. Okay, Colossians 1.17. Describes him as, as the one who raises up all kings and, and, and rulers and who puts them down when he pleases. Okay, it also shows that God is at work in the redemption of his people throughout history, that he's chosen a people for himself before the creation of the world, that he sent his son to earth in the fullness of time to redeem his people by dying on the cross and rising again to life, and that he sealed this people, this Holy Spirit, that he would preserve them till the end when, the, when we will be raised to life in our new resurrection bodies fit for the new creation. So that's the whole, from beginning Genesis to Revelation, it's that story of redemption that the Bible tells of God's action in human history. And so the, the, the entire witness of the scripture testifies to God's existence, to his reality, that he's actively working his plans out in human history. So therefore, for us to believe in God from the revelation of scripture, and also from creation, is entirely reasonable and logical. Hey, Christianity is not some pie-in-the-sky mythology. It's based certainly on faith, but it is no blind faith at all. Any questions on those points so far? Okay, well, let's look at some alternative views of God, the existence or non-existence of God. Because your unbelieving family and friends guaranteed to fit one of these categories. Okay, what I'm saying, there are very few pure atheists today. So most people have some weird idea of God, not a biblical understanding of it. So let's have a look at some of these things here. So the first um, belief is what we call pantheism. Hello, Janneke. Welcome. We've got your business class seat reserved for you. But I couldn't organize the champagne and caviar today. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, pantheism and pan panentheism. Anyone want to take a shot at those two words? Pantheism, panentheism. Polytheism, yeah, poly is many. Pantheism. Yeah, pan in Greek is all. Okay, so everything. So everything is God. Panentheism is, is slightly different. God is in everything. So it's this belief, and this is, you know, classic, like, Oprahism, okay? The New Age, it's the, the philosophy that's going to be underlying a lot of self-help books and 
a lot of the stuff in the in the spirituality section in the bookshop, a lot of movies today. So it's a belief that God is that believe in God, but he uh, is impersonal being who dwells within the creation. So there's no separation between the creator and the creation, as the Bible teaches, is that um, God is in the mountains, he's in the trees, he's in the rivers, he's in the animals, he's, he's in us. In fact, we are all gods too, with a small g. There's divine energy that connects all of us together. And this is pure Hinduism. It's pure Buddhism. You could even argue it's, uh, it's a belief of Islam. Yeah, it's a, this is what liberal Christianity essentially is. It's, it's, it's pantheist. Yeah, that, that we are all little Jesuses. We can do exactly what Jesus did because we too are gods. Okay, so pantheism, panentheism, God is in everything. Any questions on that? Have you observed that belief in people that you know or movies that you've watched or, uh, I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's uh, very clear in Avatar. Yes. all the same Richard Raw I mean he's a he's a calls himself a Christian there yeah a lot of confessing Christians who who eat up that stuff it's it's, it's, yeah, it's not Christianity it's you know it's not Christianity good enlightenment yeah 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 absolutely Ryan. Let's say like, if you have a friend, you know someone who is like a non-believer, and they ask you, how do you know God's real? Mm. Like, how do you know that he does these things? Like, where's the proof? Like, what do you tell them? Well, I think firstly, you just got to tell them to look outside. Who's... Who's the, the stars in the sky, the expanse of the ocean, the majesty of the Drakensberg? It's a leap of faith, actually, to believe that all just came into being spontaneously. Everybody, and that's what Romans 1 tells, everybody deep down, near yes, sin suppresses this, but deep down, everybody knows that there's got to be a creator who put this all together it can't it defies logic frankly that it just bang came out of nothing so press them on on those things this is the self-evident 
um, revelation of God. But then you can also use scripture. And I know that there are some people who say in terms of witnessing to people, only oh, no, mustn't use scripture because they don't you know, believe it. But what does the Bible say about the Bible? Yeah. Okay, we've got a promise that whenever God's word is spoken, it's life. It brings clarity. It brings truth. So, so you can, don't be afraid to, to use some scripture in, in, in witnessing to your friends. Not like classic Bible bashing stuff, but you, use, you can talk about scripture that, that speaks about the, the reality of, of God and how he is active in saving us through Christ. And those are gospel seeds that are saying you don't know what the Holy Spirit does in planting those seeds in hearts and causing them to, to, to bear fruit. Yeah. That's the issue that people have. So, like, showing the proof of God, almost, that's not really a very difficult thing because the mm. creation really does bring that home. Sure. It's the next step. Absolutely. The sticking point. And, absolutely, that next step is sharing the gospel and is showing from the Bible our need for that Creator God. That we, our sinfulness, and that we are separated from God. We are not many gods. Um, we we need redemption, and God has provided that redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. So it's that, yeah, which says special revelation that is, is here, and that is the personal, yeah. 
God's word. I mean, that's the, the thing. I can believe that there's God and God created, mm. but, but that is now. Because there's so many mistakes in it and all contradictions and, yeah. And that's not so easy to yeah. just accept even you know, from a scientific or a research point of view. Yeah. And we, we, we could do, do a, a session on the reliability of Scripture and the formation of the canon. Because that is a key objection that our non-Christian friends and family will usually bring to us. And this is riddled with mistakes. Because we need, we need to know that you, you can have a lot of confidence. You can have absolute confidence what is in here. The, the formation of the, the canon and our manuscripts and all there's Our faith rests on solid ground. We need to know that as, as believers. This is not, you know, people believe whatever they watch in the Da Vinci Code about the Bible. I mean, it's <laughs> bad. Yeah. Um, but then you take, okay, then there's the word, because that's the word of God. And the very first thing you read, in the beginning there was the word, and and in seven days, you want to come in, in seven days, all this was created. And, and that whole, that is a big leap for most people, and especially from the little, where you've learned about all the, Evolution. I mean, evolution. Yeah. It's ingrained. Um, not only in, if you hear at school, and yeah. your parents have heard, and your grandparents have heard. Yeah. Evolution is the way. Yeah. believe what you've been taught at school. No, totally. Yeah. And, and that's the basic belief of just about every mm. educational system in the world. Yeah, all the media and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Wait, did you want to say anything? You just had a question. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, 
Mm. Yeah. No, I was just thinking like Brian said, and mm. you know, you can tell your friends, you know, you know what God created the world But it's also you. You know, you you can be like the light for your friends. And it's how you behave and how you think it's your friend. Thank you. Okay, let's pause here. We'll pick up uh, next week his prayer. Father God, thank you for your word that builds faith in us and that reveals who you are, this glorious, majestic, eternal God who has not left us on our own but has come down to us your son, Jesus Christ, to, to, to reconcile us to you. And Lord, we, we thank you for this truth, and we pray that you would now prepare our hearts as we move into the worship service. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.